It's just Game of Thrones. Sorry. That's a great theme. Too. It is. That's, I think the Man of Steel theme is similar to that in the way that the drums, maybe, are they quarter or eighth notes where it's just like driving it up? Because that's pretty much all the Game of Thrones theme. Anyway, I'm going to not derail it. Sorry. I didn't notice the score at all in Man of Steel. I was just, other what? than like it was typical rocks of Man of Steel. Hans Zimmer's. Paco, are you trying, are you trying to hurt me? No. Hans Zimmer, I think, is allegedly creep guy? Canceled? question mark i think i think he said some like kind of like weird shit on facebook so he's in like that paul schrader like kind of canceled zone weird (laughs) okay well his music's not canceled for man of steel i I was like i just it's one of his best scores but all right welcome to the vulgar tours where we examine the filmographies of genre filmmakers uh, we are nearing the end of our series on the films of Zack Snyder, and we are at the very start of his run of DC movies. This week we are discussing 2013's Man of Steel. I'm Paco. I'm Jason. And I'm Terry. Th- this, is, this is interesting, y'all, because if we go back in time, like uh, 2012 is when The Dark Knight Rises came out and that was kind of the end of the era of Nolan's films and then it's just like where do you go from here uh with these properties are you going to keep them all in that muted tone of like grounded realism or are you going to embrace like what Marvel has done more or less the past you know the same amount of time I guess since the Dark Knight but like Mm. what direction do you go in and this movie is is such an interesting transition movie into the cartooniness that it it embraced its kind of Zack Snyder unleashed, uh, you know, nature of Batman versus Superman. But Man of Steel feels more like almost a committee type movie where, uh, you know, Emma, Emma, this was produced by uh, uh, Syncope, so Emma Thomas and uh, Christopher Nolan. And I think they oversaw some of the story as well to kind of pass the baton of like, please let me you know, not be on the DC, the Warner Brothers lot anymore. Uh, Nolan has been a huge supporter of Snyder. Uh, He was also one of the advocates for the Snyder Cut uh, when it came out earlier this year. uh, Part of, there was a big article around the same time, and I remember uh, one of the things they said is Christopher Nolan told Zack Snyder never to watch the Joss Whedon Cut because he said it would break his heart. Mm. And so there's been... A level of collaboration, I think less hands-on post Man of Steel, uh, but Man of Steel, it was definitely kind of like trying to bridge the voices of the auteurs as we go from... Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, that's what I was I was I was thinking is just like this feels like the passing of the baton of like okay we have these ideas to go fully kind of cartoony not cartoony in a, like over the top and into these galactic realms and all this stuff um, we need kind of a transition period of like what if it was realistic like the realism of a superhuman showing up and Superman being played uh, earnestly as like. Mm-hmm. you know it, it's just interesting in the era where it it does feel like a like its own thing but it's it's also you do feel the influence of like the muted colors and the like 
somber tone um that it's it's even it it's not emulating the the dark knight trilogy or anything like that it just is a subtle interesting transition uh into the larger kind of dceu i mean this is the jumping point for dce extended universe dc movies that we're still in now Mm -hmm. so like you had to kind of build it off of this movie that it's just an interesting one they they also talk about that uh i i find that part of it less interesting than the movie itself but uh they talk about one of the things that has hobbled dc and there's been all sorts of reports is they didn't have time to fully flesh things out, so they went with like a like Snyder's vision for the main films, and then other filmmakers mm. didn't have as much guidance. Like there wasn't, it wasn't shoehorned by a creative producer who was okaying everything, like the Marvel movies are, which I think is kind of good uh, because I find those very generic and bland, um, where where these everything feels a little different but like i think they didn't necessarily support the film filmmakers as much as they could have along the way and uh that's kind of why these movies feel a little incoherent i don't mind that though because i enjoy seeing filmmakers attempt to do something new uh in the medium and as I think will be the pattern for uh, these next few episodes, I find Snyder's sort of revisionist take refreshing. Well, at the same time, the movies themselves, I think, are pretty bad. Um, like, Well, in terms of, like, Man of Steel, you're not a big fan of, like, super. this isn't me totally hounding you, but you're not a big fan of, like, Superman going into it. So, like, when you were watching this movie, were you trying to look at it as if you had never seen a Superman movie before? Or do you think it was playing more towards, like, people who grew up with, uh, of course, the Ratner 2006 or whatever? No, that was Brian Singer. That was Brian Singer. Yeah. Not Brett Ratner. Oh, sorry. I think Bratner Uh, Bratner Bratner did the X-Men movie. Uh, Well, they're both creeps uh, i was gonna why. say <laughs> i have uh i have predator uh blindness so they all i mean all honestly I, after one. I think that this movie uh i think it fits more neatly into like one uh snyder's kind of like mm-hmm. you know own sort of thing and also the trend for kind of gritty reboots at the time and i also will say as someone who's not a fan of superman that this kind of works for me because I like that Superman it has like more of an internal conflict about doing the right thing, I guess. Because, I don't know. I, I think Superman is just a boring character to watch because he's always going to do the right thing. And it's so hard to hurt him uh, that it's just not particularly engaging. And this movie does a lot with it, I, the core concept of this movie is like what if Clark, or pa kent was a complete moron 
and like fucked his kid up and like that's a fun read on it because like you know superman instead of being superman is like worried because his dad was some yokel who uh (laughs) couldn't get his shit together and ran into a tornado (laughs) this is literally like red sun the the like popular graphic novel of like what if superman landed in russia you know and worked for the russians during you know 1950 or i guess during stalin or whatever Mm -hmm. uh and this is just kind of like what if Superman landed in the yard of some dude who was his dad who gave the worst fucking advice. (laughs) Where it's just like, I was thinking almost like it was, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it and there's not a lot of evidence to support it, but it's just like the idea that like you have to keep the side of yourself a secret. Uh, You know, like that whole line between or the dialogue between him and Clark of like, I'm supposed to let them die. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, he gives this advice and it's almost like denying who you are versus Martha Kent's kind of, uh, you know, I love who you are. Like, it's so strange because it's almost like, it, it, is this like a gay allegory where it's like, you're trying to be who you were born to be, who like could do good, just, or who, like, I read it more by, as like a dreamer allegory. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's like more simple than like a gay allegory. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like Pocket was was idealistic to a fault. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he didn't have any chemistry with Amy Adams, so I was just and she was underwritten, so I just assumed yeah. that was the subtext. Also, here. like, um, I it like, yeah, they just have no chemistry. And isn't there like? Well, it, but am I am I crazy? Is there a difference in age between them, like a considerable one? Or, or? she's like ten years older than he is. Um, okay, but she also it kind of is a miscommunication of the character. I don't know if we want to deviate yet, but like Amy, I mean, we this is all a deviation because mm-hmm. we're deviants, baby. But uh, like she just didn't really light any spark for me in a way. Like I just uh, watched the Donner uh, Superman <clears throat> again, and it's like. When you have, uh, what, Karen Black? No. Karen, uh, God, what's her name? I don't Evan, care. Cut all this out and then insert the name. Margot Kidder. Gosh, I don't, I just watched uh, a movie with Karen Black. Oh, there we go. Uh, Margot Kidder is like. Was it cruising? The, uh, because you'll forget Karen Black from cruising. <laughs> and then you're like, is that oh, fucking. Oh, shit. Karen Black's the, uh, the one from Indiana Jones, right? No, I think that's Margot Kidder. No, it's not. Or is that Karen Black? I oh get Margot God. Kidder <laughs> and Karen Black mixed up as uh, how? much as I get Bratner. That is, that's wild. I don't know. I, anyways. It's just weird. They're both probably the same height. I don't know. But uh, when you <laughs> when you have Margot Kidder, though, as like a, who, Claudette Colbert, uh, like in Bringing Up Baby, as like, is that her name? Gosh, sorry. I'm is it, uh, Behind the scenes, Jason tired tonight, but... Uh, like she has this quick speaking in chemistry with Christopher Reeve mm-hmm. and they're not like head over heels for each other. It's like this really energized, cool vibe between them. That's super lighthearted. And then the Amy Adams, uh, Henry Cavill, like it's weird in, in the Arctic. And then it's just strange how quick it is that it almost undersells why we give a shit by the time they actually kiss. Well, but I, I, I think it's like where did the, where everyone yeah. just knows it's where it's going. Like they're, they're like, 
basically what the way it seemed to me was like they wrote Superman and they wrote Lois Lane and because everyone knows they get together they just get together it doesn't matter yes. that they have no chemistry because it, that's t- like the story's not about their love story and I also think totally Zack Snyder doesn't know how to direct women yes um, well no but I actually I think that's a very good point because like one thing that kind of bugged me about this was that like I, I appreciate the way they were trying to like kind of toughen up Amy Adams Lois Lane but I think that in other representations of her both like comic movie uh, whatever Lois Lane is like kind of an intrepid reporter she's like you know doesn't take no for an answer but mm-hmm. in this one it's like Lois Lane is like, oh, I don't feel comfortable unless I'm wearing like, a flak jacket. Like, no, the she was with the troops. Like, you know, they have to, like... Even Lois Lane is, like, toxically masculine in this movie. <laughs> well, and she's just, like... She turns up, like, on the spaceship later in the movie, and you're just like, what? What's the point of this? Like, why are you... You're in this scene to be in the movie. Well, it's and kind she's of, walking like, through the Arctic with, like, high heels on in the middle of the night. That rocks, too. Yeah... Yeah. And what if I need to tinkle is yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe the line that stood out oh to me the God. most. because No, but it's it's ridiculous because it, it contrasts with the whole like tough girl image they were just doing, which is why like her whole character is just like a mess in this like movie. I mean, I get that she's supposed to be being ironic there, but it doesn't come off making her look like a badass. No. And pa- Paco, I have to call you out. Uh, Diane Lane was great. Uh, directed by Zack Snyder, as was Sarah Pauly in Dawn of the Dead. So we can move forward. I mean, I, just, I needed to stop to tell you that he can direct women. He just needs a better writer to work with. I don't. I, maybe that's it because, like, Sucker Punch. Uh, I would say the performances are pretty uniformly flat. Uh, and in Watchmen, Oof, yeah, he gets pretty uniformly. Don't mention that flat ever. performances. You you <laughs> you can't mention Sucker Punch ever again on this podcast uh evan please bleep out the name of it moving <laughs> forward if it's ever brought up again but we still have to use it Sorry. as our litmus test for how bad a movie is mm-hmm. oh, shit that is, that is true. <laughs> but well, still we can still bleep it out <laughs> i movie, think the artist the formerly movie, known yeah, right? the movie formerly known as <laughs> i think the underlying idea of like someone who is trying to live in the shadows because they're worried America won't accept them. Uh, right. I think that that works, but it it's sort of half thought out. And like most of the things he does, uh, doesn't really go anywhere. It's just a way to keep Superman from being known to the world until Zod shows up. Uh, but despite all that, I do kind of like Snyder's interpretation of the character. Like, I I really like Snyder's movies until they get into the CGI action shit uh, that goes on yeah. for too long and then I check out. Like, uh, this movie oh, yeah. was probably like four or five, eh, not five, but like a four-star movie for me until the last 45 minutes. But uh, it's, it's just... Are you talking about the the shitty paced CGI fest where it's like, okay, cool. That's over. The transformers movies over. I know. Right? Oh, great. Now we have a Zod fight when this could have just been an interesting emotional showdown. And now we're continuing. And it's just like, it could have honestly cut out the last part and had an intense discussion. And I would have been like flawless. Well, and, Superman. And it was also, I want Snyder to make an Emmerich movie. Like I want him to make an Dude. independence day because uh, he makes 
the destruction that Superman and Zod create so fucking yeah. terrifying. And, like, he gets it, enough dude, it, of the on-the-ground stuff that, like, I mean, this movie got dinged when it came out for, uh, for remaking 9-11 for entertainment, which I think is critics overstating it, but it does have that vibe. But then he overcorrects with Batman well, versus Superman. Yeah. I, I think there are respect. some specific moments in that where, like, uh, specifically, the, like, you see certain things that, like, are kind of evocative of 9-11. It may not be intentional, but I do oh, think... Oh, I think it's intentional. This is... Oh, Okay, I mean, that's sure. fair. I, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I think you said it, not me. But mm-hmm. no, I think that, like, one of the things that I think this nails is, like, that sense of, like, chaos and destruction. Like, even... <laughs> like a Batman character who isn't like super powered, but like since we're not talking about Batman quite yet, it's just Superman. And like the reality is, is that like a person, even the person with the best intentions who has that kind of power, uh, like Snyder is right to recognize them like as a god, at least in like so far as the mythology, the internal mythology is concerned. Mm-hmm. Because like Superman and, and Zod are fighting, and like Superman can't concentrate on anything but Zod because like a moment's hesitation means death, but like. That means a ton of people are going to die. And, like, I think, you know, you sort of mentioned this in the Watchmen movie, but I think that, like, that sort of disregard for collateral damage, and then we see that we see it echoed uh, in the United States Navy or, or uh, Air Force just bombing, like, a small Kansas town, like, indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I, I feel like that really rec- it reflects, like, a reality uh, that we live with. And I think that Snyder unintentionally is tapping into it in a way that is, like, kind of that's true right but i think it's also an incredible statement on america that we you know will treat kansas like we treat an afghan wedding uh if no exactly he's like they're like weapons hot and they're shooting off (laughs) rockets in a kansas town and like it shows superman trying to get people indoors but like half those buildings are gone 15 seconds later God. Exactly, but but I would I would even go further than that with like one when we're when we've had the whole Krypton sequence, which we we should totally talk that's about. That's fair. That's um, fair. And then it cuts to the perfect storm for a second. Do you remember in movie theaters back when they would shoot on film, or, or they would project movies with films that uh, sometimes the they would be switching the reel and something would fuck up or they'd put the wrong movie in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like immediately when it stops being like the matrix and, uh, you know, avatar. And then it turns into the perfect storm for a second with Superman on like a fishing ship. Um, I really think like they encounter that oil rig that's on fire. And I feel like there are a lot of structures in this movie that are similar to that oil. Well, that the movie is really one of the cynical parts of it that I appreciate is the fact that you have an outsider coming in uh, like a dreamer, seeing how fucked up you're treating your world when his blew up and his um, he doesn't have a home anymore. And he's he's not exiled. He's a refugee of this planet. And he's seeing how humans interact with each other and growing up amongst humans. He's seeing how they treat each other. And I think that's such a complicated, uh, complex um, emotion to put on a character like the, you know, the truth, the justice in the American way or whatever Superman's motto is. Truth, justice in the American way, yeah. It's more complicated than something like Captain America because 
he's protecting things and he's trying to do the right thing, not out of like some Boy Scout thing, but it's because he cares about these things. And I think that that's the problem with the last parts of the movie is you don't cut to people in buildings going like, oh my God, like Godzilla, the Emmerich movie, speaking of which, it at least would cut into stupid shit when like Godzilla was walking around. Um, And here it's just like, oh, there's all these buildings that are getting destroyed and you're not seeing anyone except for the one person who's caught under some like rebar with uh, Lawrence Fishburne like holding her hand, which I I thought was beautiful and emotional. Like Mm -hmm. it was really amazing, but super 911-y. And it's just like for this character that cares so much, the idea, and of course this is his origin story. Granted, it's a Clark Kent origin story, but it's like this is his first time being kind of out and about protecting a city i think Mm -hmm. and he's not thinking of the collateral damage involved but it's also just like okay they evacuated metropolis we've been through the pandemic folks people don't give a shit don't listen to their government or what (laughs) anyone's gonna say those buildings are probably full i i I think that's why it's an interesting read that you take it that way because like i think definitely like there's something there also but i think that you're right to point out like with the oil rig uh, like, I think there's, like, a sort of Randy and Superman thing here going on. And I mean that, like, not, like, Superman, like, capital S. Uh, where, like, you know, he's holding up the ri- the oil rig single-handedly. Uh, th- like, crossed, uh, bearing his cross his cross to bear. Yeah. And he's dying no, because it, of the But that's rig. what I'm saying. Like, because he's Atlas, like, holding up the world on his shoulders. And sometimes... Atlas shrugs and some people Atlas. die, right? Oh, but, so, but no, but I'm I'm like <laughs> this yeah. is there's a shitload of like this kind of Randian shit in the movie where yeah. where like and that's the thing like so in certain moments Superman has the the wherewithal and the time to take the the consideration for the smaller people, but in another instant, uh, like fighting Zod, it's like he's fighting for the entire planet. Like there's, uh, never mind, I can't get this, I can't get ahead, but. Like, there's this perception that even if collateral damage happens in, like, a Snyderverse film, that because it serves the purpose of protecting the entire planet, that anything is permissible in the pursuit of, like, stopping this, this like, larger evil. And I think that, it, like, like, that justification is present in Which this film. Like, that, and is, it, like, as we already talked about. Is one of the reasons I find this so interesting, because it is... Uh, almost like a revisionist take on superheroes and it brings it closer to like what the American reality is. Like that's one of the things the revisionist Westerns of the sixties really were about is breaking down the mythos of, you know, these golden heroes on like a wild West that never existed, you know, and showing like how much messier it was and obviously it's different to do that for situations that have never truly happened but i like that but I, but snyder I, is trying yeah, I to think get it, messy and demonstrate i think it works though i think it works in the yeah. same kind of way and i think having the benefit of movies that come after this uh we see more intent uh, because apparently his intent was always to do what he does at the beginning of BVS, which we'll talk about next week. Um, but if that is the case and not just a lie, it it does make sense to sort of showcase this. Because 
I mean, how is this different from, like, the reality in Syria where, like, America and Russia are bombing you uh, and you can't do shit about it? And we right. view, we as a nation view it as the greater good. Uh, you know, it's it's just dumb, stupid American empire uh, exactly. coming home. That's what I really liked about the one sequence where, like, Zod has found them and Earth and all of the TVs go dark yes. and everyone's power shuts off and there's, like, that weird garbled message in, like, mm-hmm. multiple languages to show you that it's, like... It's like the Earth. Like, it's not, like, Metropolis or whatever. Like, it's, like, this... The fact that he's tracked them all there. And does Superman stand with America? Or does he stand with the humanity of the world? Like, it's just... They leave it open. Yeah. Well, but I I think that's, like, a... That's a strength of of Snyder's Superman is that Superman is American, but he's more worldly than Superman often is. Well, he's a mm-hmm. Can- Kansasian or whatever you call him. Kansas he's a, he's from whatever. Kansas. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's really the nitty gritty of like, of course, he's all for the people locally and considers the world local. Like he's, well, mm-hmm. he could, you know, he can take know. a There's step in, in being uh, Nairobi in like a second. But I mean, yeah. you're, you're also like there. There are a lot of heroes in this movie, and he comes from heroic um, uh, seamen. I can't think of another word. Uh, oh yeah, Russell Crowe. Uh, no, but not even seed because his mom, like his mom, uh, Laura. No, they they, they had a natural birth though. There was a, he said it was a natural birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, okay, this is a virgin Mary. I guess that's opposite it's the opposite uh mary uh it's it's because so because this is like the well but this is the american kind of jesus fantasy so because we hate communism always forever uh because they're individuals and they're breaking that mold then that's that's more that randy and shit you know what i'm saying because like the problem with krypton was that everyone had like they were born from the beginning they had a role and they were like no we want individuals and like this system yeah. was rotten, so we had to give birth to you the natural way. Like that's that's Randian stuff all the way through. That and, but I mean, makes it's, sense. It's, it's just it's interesting because you know in the first twenty minutes or whatever that the prologue is on Krypton is really fascinating. Like Russell Crowe yeah. is uh, Jor El, and he's phenomenal. Dude, he rides like, a space dragon. Really, yeah, it's I mean so he red. rides yeah. He plugs his tail into a dragon's tail, and uh, and then he wakes up in a matrix water tube or whatever, and gets a glitter skull. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, there there's like a lot of beautiful moments, like uh, you know, the ship is taking off, and Zod is, you know, it's you know, uh, getting out of his reach, uh, the the child or whatever, mm-hmm. and the look that like Russell Crowe gives watching his child, this miracle leave this earth that's going to be destroyed is a beautiful moment that's uh quickly truncated by zod killing him like immediately. and like there's all there's all these beautiful moments like lara saying like you know he's never gonna know or he's never gonna say our names you know i just want to look at him and that's how you're starting the movie with, with also Krypton imploding afterwards with Lara talking to the robot saying, "Which that, there's no refuge." That this was is the okay, end. but that was a weird thing. It's, so like, either that was like okay, you have an advanced spacefaring race who used to run a galactic empire, 
mm-hmm. and they just chose to completely like destroy their world to the point that it blew up like and and i understand that like probably this is a metaphor for like you know climate change current. yeah yep. but like <laughs> it either it was heavy-handed or out- the kryptonians are extra stupid you know I mean, well, they had outposts for a long time that they stopped uh, doing after a while. No, I know. So, but, like, yeah. they really. And so, this, this movie my, is asking for a return to, like, the colonial empire, which I feel like is that's kind of weird, too. My understanding was the outposts were being fed or at least supplied with some necessary resource from Krypton, and they were not self sustaining. And that's why they collapsed. I know. So. It's the end of the colonial era, but again, like the idea is that they that like Krypton would have survived if they had kept being a colonial empire, because we know what the world engine does. That's blowing my mind right now. But yeah, I mean, and that's kind of Zod's whole thing is he's willing to take that step that the rest of the Kryptonians aren't, Um, and which I guess that that's fair. Zod is kind of like. I think that another like thing that works in this is the fact that Zod's uh, motives make sense. They're still reprehensible, mm-hmm. but they make sense. Yeah, totally. You can't say that about most of Marvel's villains, yeah. or you know, like where it's like, okay, they're bad just to be bad. No, Z- Zod, Zod is not a nihilist, and that's why you believe that he's wrong. Well, but but or that you understand where he's coming. But from. Zod but, has very okay, clear so principles. Here's my fucking question: Why do they need to do the world engine? Because Yes, I agree. If it's necessary for Kryptonians to live there, then, like, there's some motivation for him. But fucking Clark has, like, Kal-El has lived there his whole life. Uh, well, but they and, have like, that, they they have that conversation where Zod says it would, they take, can breathe the it would air. take... But it would take decades, and Zod just doesn't want to deal with that. But that... I feel like that diminishes how understandable his motives are, because, like... Okay. You can fucking well, make think, new Kryptonians it's, it's, and start... Like, you can have Kryptonians on Earth. Like, d- d- I mean, it's still not the, the morally only, great, the but only what are rationale, we going to do about it, you know? Well, the only <laughs> rationale for that that I could think of that actually made sense was that, like, uh, like again, another heavy-handed metaphor. Like, Zod's programming was so, like, oh, like you know, all-consuming that the only way to do it was the way they had always done it which was to do it exactly with the world engine and just repopulate with kryptonians you know what i mean like also well he's 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 probably got a little bit of space madness and a whole shitload of like ptsd and survivor's guilt he was stuck in the phantom well now that you've now that you've put the dreamers thing in my head you're making me think that oh you know these people are gonna come here from their other planets and try and make (laughs) make their world we're gonna have to Read signs in Spanish. Well, I mean, dude, yeah. Su- Superman, like, that's how I'm Superman kind of gets that. Like, arrested as an illegal alien in this movie. Yeah, dude. I think it's yeah. pretty straightforward. <laughs> uh, it's pretty fucking straightforward. God, you're so right, man. <laughs> so this they is take like a detention center in the desert. And but everything, uh, this man. is why kids love it. Yeah. This is why kids love Superman. <laughs> These big rich. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, kind of fascinating because I there are so many different ways you could read this movie that I don't think are necessarily intentional. Um, I mean, that's like, fair. I, I think it's a fairly straightforward superhero movie written by you know Goyer and a couple other people. I don't credit as necessarily 
getting really deep. Uh, but it's like a holdover from Dark Knight uh, trilogy, right? Like he wrote those with, with Christopher Nolan, or he wrote those. So like he's kind of probably came along for the ride. Yeah, and I think he even right. gets producing credit at some point. But uh, I think I, he gets producing he, credit on this one. He was, or he wasn't. I thought he did. I thought I saw his name on Man of Steel. I saw his name on one of them for sure. He was credited as a writer, but I don't know if he was credited as a producer. But, uh, I mean, like, I'm not throwing shade. Like, dude got to start writing Jean-Claude Van Damme movies in Dollman vs. Demonic Toys. Uh, so, like, he's right up my alley. (laughs) His first ever written movie is Death Warrant. Uh... Ooh, Ooh. I, man, that, <laughs> that that is a weird movie. Sandman. Yeah. That is a weird oh, fucking movie. So good. But like, He's ter- Sandman's terrifying. Oh I, wait, Death Warrant. Death Warrant kicks ass. Never mind. I was thinking of Lionheart. Death Warrant I, rules. Lionheart fucking rules, dog. Anyways, <laughs> I I don't necessarily know that he's thinking of all the angles that we're ascribing to him but maybe he is because i think he was one of the writers on the dark knight returns which sort of uh incorporated occupy wall street into it uh at some point the dark knight rises uh whatever yeah you're yeah. right no no i was gonna i was actually gonna bring that up no exactly so like that's why i can't help thinking that some of the same well not the same politics but that there is a same kind of political uh, consciousness in this film and especially because the illegal alien shit like there is some politics here you snyder can't claim that he's like oh i didn't even realize those happening like shut up dude you knew. is and this kind of like a harry and the hendersons movie i feel like there's is this kind of a weird remake of harry and the hendersons that's hilarious it kind of <laughs> is just barely who's john lithgow we should Fucking kind of run Kevin both Costner. of them back to back, like Dark Side of the Moon, oh, shit, no. and Wizard of Oz. If you just, <laughs> yeah. you know, apparently this has the same running time as the Donner version or the Don the Donner version, the the original or whatever. Wait, so when Dude, when, when, when Pa Kent runs into the tornado, that's when uh, John Lithgow has to punch the Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoilers uh, for Evan. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he saw the GIF. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sorry. I was going to say something before we got <laughs> sidetracked by the Hendersons. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. Pocket uh, just runs into a tornado. I mean, we can't. It's, it's fucking. It's well, what the did you dumbest think of shit. That? What did you think about that part? Because that's always, like, so, going into this movie. Honestly, like, I, 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 own I this think. And I love it. I think but. that his motives make sense. Like, yeah, we can kind of, ma- like, make fun of it. Like, yeah, he gave Superman bad advice and it kind of fucked him up, which is true. But, like, I think that's also true of raising a child. Like, no parent's perfect, and neither was Pa Kent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of has to come to grips with that. But uh, that's the point where it breaks down. Like, everything before that point, you're like, oh, well, father, this kid, he's gifted, blah, 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 he's a dreamer. Then, then it's when he runs in the tornado and you're like nope that's yeah it's like i want to i want to inflict decades of trauma on my child who could just have saved me faster than a speeding bullet yeah he could have no saved me have even seen and it's just like what the fuck are you talking about like oh and you're so brave like but maybe that's the completion of Jonathan Ken, Kent's arc of well, but it's like such a shameless a sacrifice and stupid way to like do pathos in a movie it's I think. so mm-hmm. It's so and, wasteful. And the thing that sucks too, it's it's a wasted opportunity as well because I I always thought that it would be so cool to see Russell Crowe 
and Jonathan Kent share a scene where well, it's like but, some levity of. But Kevin Costner is like quartering it in, like he's not even given a half a performance. <laughs> Uh, but, in this but, movie, but I but I think that it, it would just be interesting to have more like. There's so much about this movie that is just missed opportunities. Where I, I don't know, like that that one just feels like a big one. But the tornado thing is just like we're forcing this trauma, this tragedy to happen to our hero, so that not it's not just that he's an orphan of Krypton or whatever, and his planet's destroyed, but. He needs a reason to like bat uh, to Bruce Wayne it in Batman Begins, where he just fucks off for like ten years or whatever and becomes like a mm-hmm. top secret agent that ends up at a crash site, Krypton or whatever. Right. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's or on, in the Arctic. It's just weird. Like well, it he has to, that guy has to throw beer on him so he can blow up his big rig and like we, we mm-hmm. gotta have. I that do kind of like that. No, I, you're, I, you're I, going, I'm, okay. I'm a sucker for slice of life, and I do like slice of life Superman. I I, I appreciate that. So I have as, a like, question. It's just I don't know Superman that well. If a normal person punches him, is it like punching metal? Yeah. Like because bullets can Man bounce steel, off. Baby. Okay. Yeah. And and he should have just know, like talked shit. Just be like, oh, oh, go for it, big boy. You can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Instead, you're going to maybe make that person homeless when they get fired from their job. And, and maybe also, they invested all their money in the if truck. you're worried but about like calling attention like to yourself, that. it's way less attention to have someone hit yeah. you or break their hand than have their truck and, mysteriously get fucking crucified. Yeah. Like, well, but this is yeah, the same. This is the same universe where Batman and Aquaman live, though, and like fucking Wonder Woman. So I mean, yeah, fine. but but I'm saying like, if you're trying to go under the radar, like no, he is trying to go under the radar. Yeah. But the thing is, is that he's only he's only uh, 33 years old. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, sure. Uh, but, but do you get it? He's Jesus. Also- uh, yes. Well, they they don't allude to that any other times in this movie. No, it's, at all. it's not, not at all. like he's, he's going like to die and return later. Dude, yeah, when he falls into his, <laughs> when he falls into space cross. in the crucifixion pose, that uh, he I, also, was, I started screaming. I was like laughing so he hard. He also he also has to have a scene in a chapel. God, uh, talking to a priest. Oh which man! Genuinely, no. There, <laughs> there is. I hate. I'm gonna piss off everyone, but. <laughs> I kind of like this scene. No, it's like <laughs> it's it's like it's tropey, but it it's works. It's not even no, on the it's nose. So it's like sit riding an elephant's trunk. It's so on the nose. Um, <laughs> it's it's so it's like breakdancing when you have diarrhea and thinking that you're not going to get diarrhea off yourself. It's like, excuse me, but it, shit's about to go down. Uh, because it's just like, okay, you're in a chapel, the like beautiful stained glass all around them of like maybe Jesus before, you know, Last Supper, before he's going to be betrayed or something stupid. And but But I do, I love the fact that he tells the priest, like the priest is like, dude, stop loitering, get out of here, you bum. Uh, just kidding. But uh, he's, like, asking him, like, what's what's ailing you, my my son, or what, something stupid. And he's just like, I'm the one you've been looking for. And the priest doesn't show fear or, like, as if he's going to capitalize on it and go, like, oh, I'm going to call Zod and fuck you over in the church, bitch. Mm-hmm. He, like, shows this 
belief and understanding and almost gives him the with power with great power comes great responsibility where he's like you know you have to take a leap of faith and the trust comes after which does happen with christopher maloney and the military behind him but Mm -hmm. i thought the moment was like it there are a lot of christ shit that is like really bearing down on you but this was the one moment that felt kind of sincere where the priest wasn't trying to get anything but just give him guidance and direction like mm-hmm. well, isn't, not and, in a and way also, isn't that it was like, true to him isn't, to, isn't to, that the priest the in like, Kansas as well like so theoretically he might even know Clark I think so I think it's mm. implied it's in Kansas even though we don't really we see the priest in like the funeral scene if it's the same guy yeah and that's like it yeah, but no yeah. That's what I. That's why I was that made that connection was because I, I assumed it had to be the same priest. But again, we're skipping ahead a little bit. <laughs> well, he's also he's half man question mark half Kryptonian where it's like one father is saying you can save all of them, the other is saying don't save anyone. Like mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of like I uh, also uh, I love how it's the American who's like. Don't worry about it. You can't save people. Like, don't try. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, but, well, but that's yeah. that's perfect though because like. Uh, uh, Russell Crowe's character Jor-El is a dreamer he's a scientist mm-hmm. he only sees the yeah. big picture uh, Kevin Costner is a farmer who lives in rural Kansas and never left the, enti- the state for his entire life mm. it's like Jor-El comes from a spacefaring civilization that was lasting like 10,000 years you know what I'm saying like, you, you, mm-hmm. like it just yeah. smacks you in the face with it <laughs> but it also doesn't feel condescending like it feels no, 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 no. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I'm, but I'm saying like that, that bucolic, like individualist farmer, like the Yeoman farmer, like that's American, like to the bone. Mm. Mm. But and also, like, Russell Crowe comes from a space communist society, so there's that too. <laughs> Aren't they space commies? Well, I they do know. eugenics. Every, everyone has their job assigned to them at birth. So, like, I would argue they are space commies. I don't know if that's necessarily. I wouldn't ascribe eugenics or job assigned at first no 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 no, like no 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 parts of the marxist but, but I'm saying tradition like, but, uh, no no we're not we're not talking about marxism we're talking about popular culture's understanding of communism which is evil you know what i'm saying okay like yeah i'd say and, and think, like about space how, think about how randian this is well yeah okay fine but 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 because of the jobs assigned at birth and like the need for individuality it's definitely a thinly veiled metaphor for communism like come on that's fair given Snyder's love of Rand, I think we can assume that's that. what that's where I'm at with it, right? But so like I don't there's know. this like push and pull. Yeah, I don't know. Um because I don't feel like he disagrees with the Kryptonian society. You know? Like he uh, well, disagrees with Zod, but Well he, he no well, but does he really disagree he with Zod society. though? Like, I don't know. Yeah, because we were just we were just saying how like Zod's motives mostly make sense, as opposed to how like someone else's wouldn't. I if mean, they were a villain. Like by like I've said before, like a director's job is to find a way to understand your villains so you can direct the actor and get a good performance. Um, so I don't oh, necessarily I that. think having like a three dimensional villain means he agrees with Zod. Uh, I think, you know, he's <laughs> firmly team Superman. I, I, think that, I, I think that Crow was the villain, because he wants to send this child, knowing that he's a god, to rule over these people. Exactly. And 
He's saying he wants him to break the prime directive versus Jonathan Kent, who wants him to do nothing and save everyone. Well, that was the thing. We're meant to assume that they're crows. The thing was basically like, yeah, we figured you who we sent as a baby would be able to make the call on whether we should genocide all these people. Uh, which <laughs> well no but it's like this it's like an imperialist mindset like the whole thing is like he's sent there to rule over them like Snyder's like uh, boner for like the god mythology thing is really just like on on display in this movie yeah I, I didn't pick up on that he's no there's even a scene where like, <laughs> oh, okay, 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 I'm sorry Terry no, no, you're, I'm fine, you're fine uh, <laughs> oh man I, Brought to you by Seven Eleven and I. Is it is it time for us and to Walmart. talk about? <laughs> right. Is it finally time for us to talk about like individual uh, great performances in the movie, like maybe Michael Shannon? Um. Uh, so are you saying should I we just, go to Saving Face? I don't know if we necessarily I, have to do that. I just want to talk about Michael Shannon eventually, and, or we could just talk about Zod, oh. and we can eventually get to Saving Face because I think Zod's okay. an interesting person to talk about. Well, like, because I really it, want to talk about Henry Cavill before we get to. Shannon. Okay, okay, that's uh, fair. Let's talk about Henry Cavill then. I think Henry Cavill fucking rules in this role. I think he's an actor that has a lot of weaknesses, but I think one of the places where he's almost uniformly great is when he's playing someone who doesn't understand everything and doesn't quite fit in. Uh, Dude, he really plays the whole like, oh, uh, like that, like the yeah, blank like look his on his bad face. Actor-ness <laughs> yeah, is, is, it aids him. And, and because he, like, and because he can't really cover up his accent, like he doesn't have very many speaking lines, so he's like a silent in, protagonist. Including when he's a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, because that's the only flashback where he's a teenager because he had to be emotional with Kevin Costner. Well, and he, during dude, that well, but they give him that haircut though too, to the like the little food, like the the <laughs> yeah. mop top thing. Oh my god, he's. You have a 35-year-old dude going like, Dad, just, I'm having big feelings right now. Oh, there's a tornado. Like, he's just like, dude, what? You don't you talk to your dad that way? Every... No, but it's just like, I should start, I guess. Uh, but, um... Yeah, I think he's amazing. I Genuinely, I do think that this is Clark Kent's origin story because, spoilers, but the end of the movie is my... is. I have so many favorite moments in this movie that are chocolate chipped everywhere. Like, there's some, like, shitty pieces that I don't like or that is, like, super excess. Like, the whole, in, like, last third with all the action shit. But, like, mm-hmm. I love the score by Hans Zimmer. Uh, That's The score the, in this the, movie is incredible. The, the score takes my breath away. I, I think that it's beautiful. It's... Uh, it, it, they're using um, a lot of percussion, which I play drums. I love percussion stuff, but they're using multiple drummers, uh, including like big, big drummers like Josh uh, Fries and also Jason Bonham to like do their own drum beats in like, I'm making it up, but it, I think they're eighth notes, but I'm probably wrong either way. Like they're doing these like beautiful or orchestra, like orchestral, uh, numbers that are swelling with this like emotion that really hasn't been prevalent in any of Zack Snyder's previous work like Guardians of the Gahul had a pretty score but like this was emotive and really I, I feel uh, like this my breath like away. without this score the movie wouldn't have been quite as like it wouldn't have like like clicked the way that it did for me I agree 
I agree. I, I think that it really it made the movie more enjoyable to me and made so many of the scenes more um, emotional for yeah, me. Definitely. Including the last part of the movie is like a, a stupid like voiceover or whatever and it shows like Clark Kent's because uh, he hasn't really, he's not working at the Daily Planet during the movies, kind of drifter, farm guy or whatever, but mm-hmm. his like tie is flapping in the wind while he's riding his bike on the way to work. And there's all these little scenes and he's introduced as Clark Kent at the end. And it's like, he looks and has the geekiness that reminded me of Christopher Reeve, who I do think was a great Superman. Like he got the nerdiness, per- like he got Superman and Clark Kent perfectly. And I was struggling with Henry Cavill because I feel like he has Superman down in the grim kind of bad actor way that works for the character. But he doesn't have like the charisma or nerdiness that's gonna like stub his toe and make a fool out of him like the well but that's that's a different movie like i feel like stubbing your toe and making a big fool of yourself isn't the snyder way but i think he does have like the nerdy clark kent side to him uh I think well, he's what, not like when the, as when he gets beat up by the kids. He's reading or whatever. Like he's got the mm-hmm. nerd thing going on. Even Plato. He's, yeah, he's reading. He's reading Republic Plato's Republic. Republic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but I I feel like he's definitely got more a handle on the Superman side. But the idea is basically, you know, Clark Kent is Superman's secret identity, uh, rather than the reverse. I would say in this case. Mm. And so like, because yeah. he's Superman first and foremost and Clark Kent second, yeah. you see, that's the, a really good way to look yeah. at it. Wow. You see the Superman yeah, in his Clark Kent and he, it's right. because okay. he's still Copy, learning. Copyright this. Yeah. I think Paco, you could write, if you wrote a Superman movie where there's more Superman than the Clark Kent parts are kind of like the big action scenes where it's just water cooler talk. <laughs> that's just awkward. <laughs> that I, would be dope. I stole oh, it from someone. That. I don't remember who, who was talking about that for Batman, uh, which I think is also oh, well, true. Cut the- uh, but so I want to like, it's not my idea, but I think what works for Batman is twice as true for Superman. Um, Mm, and I think it it really comes across here and I also think it's like Cavill's strength like the Witcher TV show is a lot of fun and he plays Mm. a Witcher who's someone who's had all their emotions magically removed um right and (laughs) go figure he's great it's really he can't is he please okay I tell me if I'm wrong is he a producer I don't know if he's a producer, but I know he's okay, a gamer. That would be like that would be like that would be something that would be oh, like he like famously built his Let own make a yeah, yeah he famously he... built his own gaming PC during quarantine really? yeah that's adorable and like a really nice one and put it together and like did it well and everybody was like holy shit he knows what he's doing mm-hmm. that's cute he was so, like you know doing his thermal his thermal pace and everybody was like whoa and apparently his Geralt is inspired by the performance of the actor in the video games. Because uh, I mean, in, honestly, in, his Geralt is good. Yeah, but in the books, apparently, he doesn't have that weird like growl uh, that the sure. video game actor does. And Cavill was just like, "That's so cool! <laughs> I'm just gonna growl the whole time." 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, it works. It's it's fine to see Cavill, but it works. Like he he's also just like beefcake and he's jacked, and I'm like, all right, fine. Like what well, yeah. you do, what you do. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. he's yeah. he also a Man of Steel. He's fucking jacked. Like, well, he's he's gorgeous. I think they made a point of like early in the movie he, it, when Eddie Vedder is coming through your speakers, dude. I it's in the so Pacific funny. Northwest I I, sh- I shazammed that because I was like, what the yeah. fuck is this, uh, dude? So he is. He's hot as the day is long, dog. Apparently, I mean, uh, according to the IMDb trivia, which is about as accurate as 4chan, uh, uh, Cavill refused any digital touch-ups Just as hot. Uh, for his shirtless scenes. He said it, quote, would have been dishonest of him to use trickery while playing Superman. Uh, and he wanted to push his body to the <laughs> limits to develop his physique into one that was worthy of the character, end quote, of... Anonymous IMDb like trivia. Cavill's a, Cavill's a method actor for uh, pumping iron for Superman. That rocks. Yeah. Show show me the Christian Bale freak out scene, the behind the scenes sequence of Cavill going like, "No, this is my chest. Yeah. This is my washboard ab. No, no, fuck you. No." That's adorable. Yeah. I would probably do the same thing. Honestly, if I looked like Henry Cavill, I would be a nudist, just walking around. Not eating, so you'd or be Matthew water McConaughey probably two hours yeah. before um, being on camera. <laughs> uh, yeah, was that was uh, Cavill your saving face? Uh, I guess, yeah, fuck it. Uh, let's move into I mean, saving face. Not, it doesn't nah, have to nah, be nah, 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 nah. saving face. Saving I, I just we were like skating around talking about individual actors, so that's why I was like, man, I want to talk about individual actors, but we don't have to do saving face. Mm. Yep, no, that was saving, that was my saving face. Uh, right. Terry, I know you wanted to talk about Michael Shannon, so because Michael Shannon, he just he fucking devours every, <laughs> like the scenery. So I hard. will find him. Right, what? there's eight takes. They kept every take in of like, okay, give me one more. We'll find him. Dude, like, yeah, it's you so said good. it eight times already. Well, Michael, the, dude, there's there's the one where like the best one of the best scenes in the whole movie. Like, I trained my whole life. Like, where did you train? A farm? Like, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> it's so <laughs> condescending. It's so good. Oh, oh my god, I love it. it. You know what? So it, it reminded me of. Uh, I'm trying to find it. How the fuck do you spell sorority? Uh, but S O R S O R. Yeah. Did you ever see that video he made, like, almost ten years ago now? It was actually about the time of this movie, uh, where some a sorority, like, how sorority thing went viral, and he read the letter out loud and was just so, oh, like, condescending and <laughs> acting like a bean girl. Uh, Fuck yeah. And, uh... <laughs> Just the way he talks about, like, would you learn to fight? A farm made me think of this letter uh, that he did. It's, it's so such funny. a good video. I'll check that out. There, There is something special about how little someone can give a shit about something versus really perform their ass off. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he really is so... Every single scene. Mesmerizing. Dude. Like, like in, in, even in the opening, like, when he's talking to Jor-El, like, you can see him, like, it's like he's stripping the enamel off his teeth, like, just grinding him, like, it, it's his rules. fucking dope armor and gauntlets. Oh, dude. Hang on. He looks so rad. So, uh, totally, <laughs> totally unrelated to 
anything we're talking about. Um, but uh, I was listening to Unspooled today, and they talked about uh, how Barry Sonnenfeld started in porn, and he got Santorum blasted all over him on his birthday one year. Oops. Uh, he got Santorum blasted on his birthday. He was filming oh. a porn shoot. And you know what Santorum is? Rick? Uh, wow. Well, Dan, Dan Savage. Uh, this is my no Dan Savage is definition for what it I, is. You seriously said Sonnenfeld was blasting Santorum and he was a porn actor. And I was like, what are we talking about? So, this sounds so dope. Dan Savage is like this kind of shitty dude who's like a sex columnist like you know a stranger yeah writer yeah he kind of sucks but uh uh rick yeah. santorum was being a homophobic piece of shit like a decade ago when he was in congress and so dan savage starting he's not a homophobic asshole well anymore. he still is but now he's not in congress he has a job at nbc yeah he's now uh, yeah, he's now not in congress but uh, sorry Paco, but anyways the definition of santorum is the frothy misc a mix of lube and fecal matter that is sometimes the byproduct of anal sex. So, uh, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> so, yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld like got blasted with Santorum uh, <laughs> while he was felt like shooting a scene. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was his birthday, so like he. He didn't go home right away after work. Like they had a cake for him, and then he had to take the bus home covered in Santorum. Like the whole story fucking rules. Uh, but I feel sick. That's, <laughs> that's uh, uh, pretty funny. <laughs> it rules. That's dope. Uh, I'm upset that I've never known what Santorum was. I think I prefer that Santorum to the Rick. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. uh, holy shit! I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that Michael Shannon fucking rules in this movie as General Saad. Like, yeah, he does. Every single time he's on screen. Mm-hmm. I also love his bull cut or whatever the oh, his yeah. haircut was. So Where it's like the little the little gel tips or whatever. I love that you shit. Know, as is opposed to like Terrence Stamp, like a throwback to the Donner one or like I couldn't tell if it was I supposed don't, to be no, like Vulcans Terrence... or what they were going for. I don't know. I feel like it's more of a Warrior 300 thing because mm. it's similar to like Gerard Butler, like a Warrior kind of thing that I was thinking they were going for. Uh, the same with the Gauntlets, which is also what makes the ending so interesting, is because like at the end of the movie, like Michael Shannon is out of his suit and gauntlets and things like that, which as an aside, I thought it was so fascinating the idea that Clark Kent grows up having to figure out his powers and how scary it is. Imagine being like 40 or whatever, coming down to Earth, taking off your helmet and getting heat vision and all this shit all at once. Mm-hmm. I well, thought that would be kind of a war of the worlds like, oh, that will take him down because he's literally incapacitated by all of the sensations that he's feeling as a god. So he wouldn't want to be on Krypton, but be sent back to the Phantom Zone, which would be my cut. But um, I thought that was super fascinating, but I love the idea that they're pretty much more or less fighting in underwear at the end because um, I'm assuming that Jor-El, Russell Crowe, has armor that's similar to Zod's, and Superman's suit is kind of w- similar to the black suit that Zod is wearing, and famously, uh, uh, in, in Dick Donner's Superman, Christopher Reeve is wearing you know, the blue, the red boots, and the, like, under the red underwear thing over his business. Mm-hmm. 
that it kind of was an interesting idea that they sell really well. Uh, it, his character could have been way more clean cut and boring, and he's really interesting. I feel like they could have gotten away with uh, cutting the side characters off, really. Like, having someone wanting to avenge and being the last sole survivors of Krypton would have hit me a lot more, because well, really they would be brothers Then you couldn't get I mean, 45 minutes of bullshit at the end, because you've got to watch Amy Adams escape henchmen, and then Christopher Maloney Oof. escape henchmen twice. And, twice. Yeah. And then do an Independence really, Day slash, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's why I don't write these, because they would just be long dialogue uh, between characters just talking. Like, they'd be flying and talking for 20 minutes. Um, Honestly, yeah, that's the shit I like, though, in these. Like, I'd, Same. I don't it's care. It's true. It's the better part of the movie. I, mean, I, I won't lie. No, I really, I really do like Snyder's action sequences. I know you guys don't like the CGI fest, and I don't. It's not my favorite, but I think he has a flair for directing action sequences to some extent. And so, like, they're at least like, like the mayhem and everything. I can appreciate it. Like, I do like Superman and Zod's. He fight. has one shot that he reuses multiple times that I love, which is where it's trying to recreate like a newscaster's shot, where like a quick pans over to the action and then zooms in like he uses that for his cgi shots so like much. too much but i think it's a really cool shot idea yeah. i feel like it's a i feel like it's it can okay used ad nauseum it can be obnoxious it reminds me of like a lot of japanese video games will kind of do that for like action sequences like a uh, big cgi or uh yeah, like CGI sections or whatever they're called, full the cutscenes. Yeah, like full cuts cutscenes. Yeah, sorry. Um, and really, what I love that effect used for is when uh, you know, in the beginning, like half of the movie, Superman doesn't know how to fly. Like he's right. he, like he's swimming, he's running or whatever. But when he learns how to fly, well, which, which speaking of the parts where the score really shines, that part. Oh, well, it's. It's the idea, too, that it's the only time that you see joy in this kid's life, the entire movie. It's the point that made me remember uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, where he finally gets the hang of it, and he's, like, smiling that he feels good, like, mm -hmm. holy shit, look what I can do, and it fills you with hope. And when he when he does, uh, like, go full vertical and just shoot up in the air, the camera zooms in in this way that you would see in, like, old air... Uh, air events or yeah. air shows where they're trying to capture the sonic boom going off and i love the sound effect as he's hitting these different mocks going so fast i thought was like that's a genius way to portray his powers which you know Zack snyder does really well like with his heat vision vision like boring through the ice in the arctic was interesting mm -hmm. or when he's overwhelmed by x-ray vision uh, I don't know. I'm sounding dumb. But, He's looking uh, in the teacher's blouse. Yeah, dude. Yeah. To well, the the, the how other many thing titties that do I you think, think he's looked at? Oh, I'm sure oh. he's looking at us right now. Like, I feel like you know he's an honorable <laughs> dude who wouldn't who wouldn't normally do it, but like, well, he was similar... 15, and like 15 year olds do dumb, creepy shit. There's just like again speaking of mall rats, but a famous quote from mall rats is like. Superman coming would be like a shotgun blast through Lois Lane's mm -hmm. you know, pelvis or whatever. It's like, imagine well, all of don't the they, ruined Don't they do that in that movie Hancock with Will, Will Smith, right? 
I don't know. I've never know. seen it. I haven't seen that in a long time. I haven't seen it either, but I swear there's a scene where like he shoots through like the roof of a car when he when he busts. But like, yeah, he's he's got to be a virgin, right? Like, he's got to have been like that's... thirteen and like jacking off for the first time and accidentally shot a load through a door. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's the scene that's there's a in the Blu-ray there's a cut scene where you know like the lead pipe that he crushes. <laughs> <laughs> his dad walks in on him. <laughs> God, Clark, you have to splint it yourself. I don't have the power. <laughs> but uh, dude, there should be like a fucking. I mean, they probably couldn't get away with it because the MPAA are prudes, but. There should be a, like a Superman scene where he's like on his last legs and like he's about to go like he can't do anything and Lois Lane just starts cranking, you know? And just she's got one shot to take the villain down. <laughs> and she's gonna line it up and just bam. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like a mortar. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going in a different way of like he's gonna she's gonna put on this huge fucking strap on no and she's not gonna be able to penetrate him no <laughs> Clark I can't go no, anymore I'm just saying like if you're it can breaking... shoot through walls like which it probably can you know it might not be the worst way to take yeah. down Mr. Mixelplek or whoever <laughs> that's the other thing I hate about Superman all his villains are dumb I don't know, General Zod's cool. Yeah, but they already used him. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but then they use him twice with Batman vs. Superman, I think. Um, yeah, kind of. Were, were there any uh, moments of... Hang on, I, hang I guess on, Jason, we're in you didn't phase. do your yeah. saving phase. Yeah, you didn't save your phase. Well, I was gonna say, like, before we close out with Zack Snyder stuff, like, my saving face, like, genuinely... I think the whole cast is rad. Like Lawrence Fishburne in Ooh, a it's Superman so nice movie, to see him holy in shit, here. as Perry White. Uh, mm-hmm. You know Russell Crowe, Diane Lane, Kevin Costner. Like even though phoning him a little bit, but Michael Shannon. Like there, it's a great cast. Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney. Um, the person that really does it for me is Diane Lane. Um, oh really? I cried like probably three times during this movie, which I really do kind of. Uh, think it's the score that gets me Uh, but there's this like there's the point early on when uh, the little boy Clark is really uh, overwhelmed with all of these senses and he's terrified and he's a child he's not Superman he's not indestructible he's not flying he's this kid that's terrified and he locks himself Mm -hmm. in like a closet at school and his mom, uh, played by Diane Lane, is like, focus on my voice. You know, pretend it's an island. And the score is going beautifully. And the kid asks, like, what's wrong with me? And it's like, there are certain things like that that you don't see in superhero movies where it's all this masculinity and it's your mom is doing one thing. It's, it's like there are so many great moments that are peppered throughout the movie that have this beautiful air of uh sentimentality and like sincerity that is kind of absent from some of snyder's other movies and i think that that is also a carryover from gahool because it has kind of a similar sensitivity Mm -hmm. that i don't think is throughout the rest of his work but 
Diane well, Lane really sold that for me. I think you make like, a really phenomenal. good point. Like, he does really good work when he is earnest. And, like, I yeah. feel like a lot yeah. of the time he's he's so interested in, like, being kind of edgy that he's not just, like... I mean, he's, like, the dad of six kids or something, you know? He's got this, like, yeah. earnest Half side Gibson, to him. Yeah. Uh, and it comes out sometimes, and when it does, I think it makes for better movies than when he's trying to just be edgy. Well, and I, and I think that, like, that... Like, a lot of Snyder is present in this film, like, in a way that I think we haven't seen in a while. Uh, like, maybe since, like, 300... Like, I don't know, there was, like, there was that middle period where, you know, adapting Guardians of Gahul that's, like, already its own thing, and then there's the limitations on children's media, and then Sucker Punch. Mm. <laughs> right. But, like... Uh, please, again... I know, bleep, I know. Bleep the... that out, Devin. But I really feel Snyder in this movie, and <laughs> earlier, I think it was you, Jason, that mentioned that you thought it was written by a committee, and I, yes, I feel that, but... I really think that this is early enough in the DC canon that the committee doesn't have as much power as it does later on. And mm-hmm. I I feel Snyder's think, like influence like as as an auteur like really in a lot of this movie. But but I mean that's the interesting part about this movie is I feel like the overall like we need to get from point A to point B so that we can start this universe thing right. to make a shitload of money. And we have a character that we haven't used since the the early 2000s or whatever. And I think it, it didn't do poorly, but it wasn't well-received. Superman and Returns. It, you know, Batman Ret- or Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, there was the Reeves Quest for Peace. Which, or I don't know if he directed it was like Super- I don't think he directed it. Superman like four or five. There were like four. Or five there were four. Right? And there were four. four okay. And and it 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 was kind of the Batman and Robin of the time. Like mm-hmm. four is really really bad. But there was of course going to be the Tim Burton in version with Nicolas Cage in the nineties. But boy. how do you take this character that maybe kids aren't familiar with, other than like maybe the animated show, and introduce? him to a new audience and also people that don't read comics don't well, give a shit well i feel like this isn't Superman, made for kids like you know? i feel like that's kind of snyder's whole thing is like i don't think that's who he's trying to appeal to but well then, but it, i think it's made for young adults though because like who are the edgiest edgelords they're always like 14 15 years old like that's fair like but i feel like there's not a lot but, of media but, but that's no... aimed at them and I think well, Snyder's media, Snyder's, I think, is though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Well, and isn't isn't like twelve to twenty like a key demographic, like or something like that? It's like in Brett's, yeah, thirteen. Uh, to Brett, Rat, or I was going to say Brian Singer. Cut that out. Um, nah, <laughs> cut that out, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Brian Singer. Um, but but I. Uh, Dead silence. Dead silence. <laughs> uh, you, you know what part I really love just in terms of... Speaking of Gahul, really, uh, I think that the first like, 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is, of Krypton with Russell Crowe, it does feel like the backgrounds and the movement of the camera during a lot of the animated sequences mm-hmm. were kind of a carryover from Gahul, like where he felt more confident in what he was trying to do. It feels, and using actors in that environment is really interesting. Like, there's all these just, um, like, 
the opening of the movie shouldn't be as interesting as it is, and yet I'm like, fuck, I could see Russell Crowe as Superman, honestly. Give me an old Russell Crowe Superman, but also, like, it's, like, as a prelude, you're, you care about these characters and kind of their purpose so early on that I really respect. I, uh, I, I think it's a really interesting take on Krypton. Like, I, I dig mm-hmm. it. It's, it's the art design, like, the space battle, the coup. It's all, it's a really cool way to start a movie. And I have a rule that, like, with an action movie, if you do action in the first five minutes, like, usually it's going to be pretty decent after that. And, like, it's a good way to, like, mm-hmm. set the tone for the film. Well, I mean, speaking of which, the... And and this will be the last thing I swear, but uh, the uh, whole bus crash sequence is one of my other favorite parts of the whole movie. Is when they crash the bus, mm-hmm. uh, or like there's a car accident. Um, the editing is like immediate and it's slick, and it tells you everything that you need to know about this character in his heroism as Superman or whatever. The idea that. Um, he, the bus goes off this bridge with all of his little shitty classmates in it and goes in the river and he pulls the bus out in this beautiful shot and he like stutter or he sputters for a second before jumping back into their getting back in the water to save the bully who is giving him a shit time. Mm -hmm. And it's like the expectations that are placed on this child from Kevin Costner or from Pa Ken or whatever, they're earth shattering and the idea that you have this power and responsibility and the idea that this person like of course you're not gonna let him drown and shit even though you should but um but then again that that you know that would affect the ihop management later in life but Mm -hmm. um i really love that scene and that's something that sticks with me when i think of this movie is that's kind of the most superman moment of the whole movie it's when he's like was the bus way before he's old enough to be superman right yeah it's interesting yeah, mm-hmm. there's just there's something it's it reminds me of Spider-Man and that's something I don't want to compare shit, but it's it's like what made Spider-Man the, those movies so good is he's not just trying to fight whatever villain he's up against. He's also saving the people below from the rubble and he's getting like hit, be, take, taking punches because he's trying to protect them. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that this movie lacked where like Superman wasn't f- getting hit by Zod, like Zod is going to kill, you know. Um, that, that kind of, I love that aspect of super, of Spider-Man is like being able to save people while also doing what you need to do, which, um, what did you think of the Zod demise? Cause that's kind of a controversial part of this movie as well. Well, before I... we get there, I just do want to say, uh, that bus moment is as someone who's not really a Superman fan. One of the times where I was like, I kind of get it. Like that pulled my heartstrings, uh, and I it, no, it's a, it's a good moment. It's really well done. I mean, it, it, I mean, the, the, this was a character invented in the 30s by two Jewish men who sure, imagined a sure. world where if only there was a Superman who could have stopped the Nazis. Which I think Hitler. there's an interesting political note there, uh, where yeah. at the planet Perry says, oh, "Fuck, that's in this one, right?" I, uh, I think it's the next one. Okay, I don't think he has because remember he gets the job at the planet at the end of this one. The shit, you're right. Yep, never mind. Uh, Evan, cut that all out. Uh, uh, Evan, Evan, keep it all in. Uh, um, anyways, no, but I, I but, bringing but, up but the, it's, the bridge scene though, there is another thing that I I wanted to kind of bring up real quick. Uh, I do like yeah. what like as soon as the the uh, bus goes off the bridge, 
the camera pulls back and we see like a bystander jump out of the car, which mm-hmm. like that that happens all the time. But I think that uh, it's funny that Snyder's penchant for like collateral damage. But I think that in many instances, there's like these scene transitions where you see like a sort of uh, background character first interacting with what's going on. And then it's the focus of the scene. And I think that like, I like that like high and low kind of thing where it's like, here's, here's like the regular people living in this world alongside these gods. Mm-hmm. Who are also heroes yes. in their own right, like those those fishermen that were helping the right. oil riggers. Exactly, uh, Jonathan Kent trying to protect these people for no re- like he could have saved his family and gone under the overpass, which apparently you're not supposed to do anymore. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say fire. that that seems like um, bad <laughs> bad place to put him. But anyway. I guess that was 90s or whenever that took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Larry Fishburne rescuing the office person, like there are so many heroes alongside them. Uh, these gods or whatever that you have to think that um, that's what he's trying to protect and save, you know, like, I, I think that's a beautiful, yeah, I think that's a really good pull, Terry. Um, what did you think of this, the uh, Superman Sasquatch photo? Um, uh, no, the, what, the what Zod thing. Of- <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Um, what did you think of that? I think it's fine. That's controversial. I, I, I think it's fine. Yeah, I. I couldn't help thinking, like, when, when he, like, uh, breaks his neck so hard, it, like, breaks the sound barrier. I was like, yo, uh, mm. Seagal has nothing on this neck break. Like, I, it just, it was, like, almost silly because of the way it, like, you know, you, you see, like, his hands. Like, there's, like, a shockwave. It's, like, kind of goofy. I, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting, but it was a little goofy. I'd like it yeah, because cool. you know just how horrible it was for him. And like what a last resort it is, and no, it's true. So mm-hmm. I think it works and emotionally, I, even if it is melodramatic. But I kind of well, feel but, like but the even, melodrama even works. Zod, no, it does. Well, the whole movie's melodramatic. I mean, Pa Kent runs into a tornado. Like, <laughs> yeah. But but no, I I I I just do appreciate it. Where like uh, he he's like he just stop stop, and Zod just. Big Zod and also Michael Shannon's never like he just every even to the last like his last breath in the movie Zod is just like still tearing it up literally like trying to burn people with his eyes. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really what's so fascinating about it because the whole movie it's about identity and like you're not one of them and are you he's not one of us or whatever. It's a movie about identity, and it's like, there's a line, too, where Michael Shannon says, uh, I have a duty to my people, I have to do what must be done. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, yeah, he's he's completely inflexible, though. Superman is bridging the gap, like, he has the, the, like, wherewithal and the, like, he's not been, like, programmed. Another thing, like, another political thing where Zod just cannot go against those instincts that have been bred into him. Superman is, like... Uh, natural birth he lived on earth you know what i mean he broke all of those molds but, but that's what that's what makes his ending so fascinating because he says like now i have no people and it's like really he's accepting after the destruction of the genesis chamber yeah zon mm-hmm. has nothing and, left uh and i think that to put your hero your titular character through killing someone by snapping their neck to save people because they were they were wanting you to do it um to prove a point that's going to permeate well, past and, and like, my and, death. In a way, it's like, like it's like a death by police kind of thing. Like, Zod wanted to die like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of dumb. Because it's kind of... It reminded me of, like, The Dark Knight Rises with the death of Bane. Where you you have this amazing dynamic character. And then, oh, a 
muscle or muscle. Catwoman. Whoa, missile missile blast. I thought Catwoman shot Cat- him. Doesn't she shoot? Yeah, like doesn't Catwoman shoot him with like a missile? No, I thought she no, used always... the Batmobile. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Well, it's just like I remembered it I being it super underwhelming when it came out. It, it was just like okay, you snap his neck, but like you guys have been going through buildings, so ha- that didn't snap his neck. Well, but no, no okay. it's not so much that it's like going through buildings is fine because they're being like thrown and and whatever. It's that Superman applied all of his strength. To snapping Zod's neck. The uh-huh. only person or force on the entire planet that could have accomplished that is literally Superman. Okay. He's he's kind of like a pure one from the Gahoo <laughs> movie, where he's there's pure ones. Yeah, no, I mean, in a, in a way, Superman Gahoo. is a weapon of mass destruction who is deployed indiscriminately yeah. to stop a threat that also threatens humanity. Which and the is a perfect full of specks of segue to yeah. what we will be covering next week. In Batman vs Superman. So, yeah, remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe. You can get a podcast anywhere podcasts are found, and uh, we will catch you next week to talk Batman vs Superman. Have a great day. Also, read Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's All-Star Superman. Yes, it's very good. That is probably the definitive Superman graphic novel comic book thing you could read. You won't regret it. rad. I kind of regretted it. Shut up. Evan cut out all (laughs) the audio starting at Newsflash, you stupid fucking cocks! Frats don't like boring sororities. Oh, wait, double fucking newsflash. Sigma Nu is not gonna wanna hang out with us if we fucking suck! I was bred to be a warrior, Cal. Trained my entire life to master my senses. Where did you train? On a farm? <laughs>